Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. My guest this week is Adam Scotty. Perhaps that name doesn't tell you much, but I can assure you that you've seen his work and you've most certainly been impressed. Adam is the guy behind almost every official picture of Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. He is an exceptionally talented photographer who, through his unique style, keeps setting the bar higher and sets the example among his peers. On this episode, we talk about his incredible journey as well as all things photography and politics. We also go over some of his favorite pictures over the years while he shares the stories hidden behind them. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Scotty, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, dude. Um, I need to tell you something. When I first thought about doing the podcast and I thought, okay, the backstage, who works behind the scenes, obviously, you know, the the first reflex was, you know, the political environment that I was in uh, for all these years. And I thought, okay, let's just start off with the people that you can't just avoid, right? It's the the people that not only understand what it is like to be uh, behind the scenes, but that have lived it and are still living it. And the first couple names, it was you. It was like you you were on top. I'm like, look, Adam, I got to get him. I, I didn't think that, forget about Justin Trudeau. I mean, there's no way that this guy's going to come on the podcast. But I'm like, okay, what's, what's the next best thing? I'm like, okay, let's go with Adam Scotty. <laughs> and it's been two years, dude, two years. I'm like, come on. Eventually, eventually I'll get this guy on. And I had to wait for COVID so that your schedule could ease up a little bit so that you can free up some time. So I, I appreciate it, buddy. No, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. How uh, how's everything? How are you? Uh, we haven't seen each other in a very long time. Uh, I can't remember if I saw you since you got married. I I don't think I've seen you since you had a kid. So congr- so congratulations on both. Thanks. <laughs> they come very late. How, I'm glad. How, how was the how is life? It's good. Uh, the COVID year has been a blessing and a curse, and I think for for many people in many ways. Uh, same goes for me. It, it went from a lot of travel to we had our, our our daughter last January, February, and then all of a sudden I was planning to come back from you know a little pat leave that I took four weeks off with the baby and mom at home, and then two weeks later we went into complete lockdown in Ontario, and I've been at home ever since. I think I certainly have not slept away since March of last year. And I've left city limits maybe four times, five times. It's pretty yeah. wild. See, obviously, you know, we we can't we can't call COVID a good thing, right? But in your in in your um, uh, in your circumstance, I mean, it couldn't have come at a better time. <laughs> like it's bad to say it, but it's like finally at the most crucial time where you know you're having a kid, and you know your wife obviously needs the support at home. Well, boom, there you are. Yeah, uh, you're able to stay home. I'm, I'm able to stay home. And like, my hours were such that, you know, when I went into work, I was normally home by five or six o'clock anyways. Right. Whereas before before COVID, I, I would be in town, but I'd still come home at nine or 10 o'clock at night sometimes. Right. Right. 
um but at the same time <laughs> at the same time the fact that you can't leave when you when you have when you could have eh, sometimes you know sometimes. baby is teething and it would be really nice to have a hotel room yeah yeah get away yeah, exactly um aside from that how's everything else with you good 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 uh work has been fun in the sense of it's something different it's it's always a challenge and even more so without the travel and without any of the change of pace at all it's kind of forced me to find creativity in new ways yeah and we're going to talk about that because i've been following obviously from the very beginning and uh i do feel that the last couple of years um and it shows i mean in your work you uh, the the it shows that you're always looking for new ways and exploring new, you know, vantage points or uh, different uh, techniques or whatever, you know, to put out a uh, different kind of work and it shows, right. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know for the rest of the people that probably don't understand photography, but even if you don't, I mean, you're looking at these things and you're like, okay, this is, this is different. You know, we haven't seen something like this um, in the past. So I think, I think it's cool. Um, for those who don't know you, we're going to go through a little bit, um, uh, you know, what you do and, um, and who you are, basically. Uh, let's just go back to how we met because you came into the scene uh, very early on, I, I don't remember if uh, Justin had already gotten elected in 2008 or if you were there before uh, during his campaign or even during his nomination. I, I can't remember, but I do remember you um, being on board quite early. So I came on in 2010 as kind of like a volunteer to do. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, so it was a little later than, than 2008. It was 2010. I did a couple of fundraisers. And then 2011 was when I was graduating McGill. And because I'd done those fundraisers and I met some of the team, uh, I just threw my name in the hat when the election was coming around. And I said, if you need a photographer, if you're interested in having somebody follow you around and provide photos, I'm happy to volunteer. Uh, photography has always been a lifelong passion for me at that point and it was I wanted to become a photojournalist so I said this would actually be a really interesting story to tell and obviously it snowballed into something a lot different and a lot bigger than you know a freelance photographer's life um, for which I'm very thankful but my first event where you and I would have crossed paths would have been the Greek parade as you know every good Montreal event is it's Greek based yeah. And uh, that was the start of the campaign, actually. Uh, in, 2000, oh yeah, in 2010, yeah. Uh, it, it's funny. I don't know. For some reason, I thought you were there way before. I thought you were there from the first campaign. But in any case, um, how does this whole thing start? I mean, you knew the people at, at his office. There was a relationship there. Or you just randomly said, look, let me just go help Justin Trudeau. I ran into Justin and his staff at a Model United Nations conference at McGill. And they said, if you're interested in doing more photo work, let us know. And we're always looking for volunteers. I, I took them up on that. And then from there in 2011, when the election was being called is when I threw my name in the hat. And uh, it just, you know, I, I got along well with him and I got along well with his team. And after 2011, 2012 rolls around, he has his boxing match. And shortly thereafter in October, so boxing match was in March of 2012 in October 2012 is when he says he's going to put his name in the hat to be leader of the Liberal Party going forward. So I again stayed in Montreal for that and then kept on working. 
How does the, the photojournalism in, in general, how does the photography come into play here for you? I mean, because there's, there, there, there's a long story, right? I mean, there's, there's a whole backstory to you being attracted to this, uh, to this art. Yeah. So like I, I grew up, uh, my father was Brian Mulroney's photographer. And I grew up, you know, with those photos around the house and joining my dad on different weddings or different photo shoots that he would have around Ottawa at the time. And obviously, like any good kid, you don't want to do anything that your parents do. So I shunned it for a while. And it was only I went, I went away to boarding school because my parents moved overseas. And it was only at that point when I had the distance from my father that I discovered that I enjoyed meeting people and learning about their lives and learning about all the different things that people do and in high school the best way to do that was with a camera in hand because you'd be able to go from different group to different group right you would do the theater kids you would do the volleyball team you would do the basketball team and it was a great way to meet people but also still have a little bit of distance and protect myself behind the camera right so where was where was this where'd you go to boarding school uh here in ottawa Okay, okay, okay. Because I, I know that you had some experience uh, overseas in Africa. Yes, yeah. So so during the during the downtime, so I guess, you know, high school breaks, Christmas, March break, summer, uh, and then going into university, I would always go home and volunteer or find jobs here and there in the different countries that my parents were, which was always interesting, right? It, it's probably the best education you can give anybody is... Why were your parents passport. traveling? My mother worked for foreign affairs or continues okay. to work for foreign affairs. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. So she was pretty much all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a exciting life and it's a fun life. Uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, and we're going to get to a little bit the job and you know, what it entails. Uh, I'm assuming there's going to be a lot of photography geeks that are going to be listening to this because <laughs> you have, you have that kind of following, uh, but before we get there, I just want to stick a little bit more to the family because, you know, you have this kind of job that isn't your regular nine to five where you can plan everything around you because you know that you'll wake up in the morning, you're going to do what you have to do. And then by five, five thirty, six, the latest, you'll be home, dinner, kids, bedtime. You know, you have you, you can kind of create that little routine. Uh, it's not the case for you. And I'm assuming that it's not the case for your wife either, who's a journalist. Um, but how do you, how do you, how do you manage this reality? So uh, she actually left journalism and okay. now does communications, which is, which is kind of nice because eventually I'll be unemployed and it's nice to have a rock. Um, but you make it work. She, she met me and, or I met her and we went on our first date uh, I think it was two or three weeks before I moved to Ottawa. So we, we met in Montreal for our first date. And then two or three weeks later, I was like, see ya, I'm moving to Ottawa to pursue this full-time job. Yeah. And uh, from there, we just made it work. So it was, you know, it was long distance for, for a good year or so. And that, I think, kind of made it the transition a little easier, right? Because mm -hmm. you, you go from long distance to then you're in the same city. Uh, I, I will say that the hardest days for me and probably the hardest days for her are not when I'm on the road and I'm out of town. It's probably when I am in town and I message her and I'm like, yeah, I'll be home by four o'clock or I'll be home by five o'clock. And then, you know, six o'clock rolls around and I'm messaging her again, being like, I think it might be 10 o'clock tonight. I'll, uh, you know, I'll have whatever leftovers are on the counter. That's good. Right, right, right. But you guys at the PMO, I mean, are you the only one there that does this? I mean, how does it work? Are you, are, do you guys have a team? 
uh i'm assuming there's videographers around like what's the what's the composition there uh for the photo unit itself it's myself a other photographer and then we're actually just in the process of hiring a videographer because our past videographer left in december okay so that, that's just the, the core visual team we obviously work very closely with the social media team who takes our content and does whatever they want with it the communications right. team is you know another 20 or 30 people and uh, it's quite the it's quite the living being but are you always there or do you kind of rotate? I mean, can, can, are you even allowed to take a couple of days off or how does it work? It's entirely up to myself and my colleague, Alex, Alex Tetro, the other photographer, to figure it out amongst ourselves. Right now, we're kind of being COVID cautious, so we don't see each other mingle too much at the office if we need to go into the office. So he keeps his his clean side of the world and I keep my clean side of the world. And if one of us were to go down, at least we have that separation. Right. Um, I, I was always curious to know, because are you guys employed as staffers for the prime minister or are you working for the parliament and you're assigned to the PMO uh, to document uh, the office and the prime minister? No, no, we, we are part of the prime minister's ministry, right? Okay. So each each minister has their minister's office. Right. The PM is very much the same. He has the prime minister's office and we fall under that. Right, 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 right. Okay, so it's not as if you're under the parliament umbrella and you're just there responsible to document the, the prime minister, like archives and no. that kind of stuff. No. Right. So, so we come in with the prime minister and we leave with the prime minister. Unless the next one chooses you as well? Which, if it's the same party, could happen. But if it's a different party, I doubt they want me around. Right. It's weird because in the U.S. you do see that, right? I mean, uh, you had Obama's photographer that was also Reagan's photographer, and I think he was also uh, Bush Sr.'s photographer. So uh, I guess they just go after the quality rather than uh, whatever allegiance or affiliation. Well, and for that, that was Pete. Pete did that back in the 80s, right? And then came back with Obama in 2008. So... I think enough time had passed and okay. it had changed enough. I'm not sure if uh, the political partisanship would allow for it nowadays. Yeah. You know, my dad, uh, so my dad was Mulroney's photographer. We moved away for a number of years to, to Malaysia. We came back and my dad's like, great. I'm, you know, I had this cool job for five years and interesting job. I have a lot of connections in Ottawa. Let's see what I can do in terms of, setting up a business again right in photography and because it was a Chrétien government and it was a liberal government and it was a liberal town at that point the amount of people who said we don't want to touch you because you're a conservative photographer my dad's like I don't care I'll do good photos for anybody yeah. and they they just steered clear so he, he got maybe a couple of liberal odds and end contracts but that was about it wow. and you know people's partisanship shows in different ways he even had some people cancel wedding engagement shoots with them because they found out that he was Mulroney's photographer it's like who cares no, but obviously well obviously who cares but at the same time it's like if you're good enough to take pictures for a prime minister then yes i want you like <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's the work that is more important than anything else do you do you find that um you know because you're obviously there to do a job right which consists of taking pictures uh, you know, but after all this time that you spent, 
around the prime minister and, you know, all his colleagues and the ministers and the staffers and all this, you know, ecosystem, do you ever find yourself affected by partisanship or political bias? I mean, do you, do you follow the news and kind of get swayed by the, you know, the criticism or do you just ignore the noise and you're just there to focus on what you have to do and you don't care about the rest? It's, it's tough because there are definitely days where I, I work in a way where I'm not always on my phone, obviously, right? Like I need to have, be walking around finding out what's going on and following the story, following the PM, following the staff, documenting. And if I'm not doing that, I'm editing so I can stay on top of everything because at the end of every day, I edit that day's photos because as soon as you fall behind, you can never catch up. Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, like I'll show up and my wife would be like, wow, you guys had a really crappy day today. I'm like, why my my day seemed totally fine and like sure we had one or two crappy news stories but like those are a dime a dozen when you're in government because everybody you have a target on your back like i don't know what's going on in terms of how it's being played in the media necessarily and in the media it's back and forth anyways yeah it's just a funny uh contrast where you're smack in the middle of all the action but at the same time you're kind of oblivious to what happens because you're focusing on a completely different thing right it's like your wife oh what a tough day today babe tough day what do you mean i I took some awesome pictures what do you mean exactly (laughs) that's good uh tell me um obviously you guys spend a lot of time together you guys travel uh you've traveled pretty much all over the world um I assume that there's a friendship that has been developed and obviously you've been there for a very long time. What do you guys talk about? What, what is it like? I'm, I, and, I, and I obviously I know Justin personally as well. I don't, he's not someone that is always kind of focused hundred percent on politics and news and everything that's going on. Like I've, I've been with him uh, where it's just, you know, let's black out everything that's happening and let's just focus on just reality, man. Let's, you know, just down to earth kind of stuff. And, just talking and uh, you know chit-chatting about just anything right life family whatever you know like you would with any normal human being that isn't in politics um does that exist do you what do you guys talk about like well, how, do, how does that uh, what is that relationship like so well, the funny thing is is we're both actual introverts right so when we're out in the world we can be very extroverted and go out and be as sociable as we need And then as soon as we get on the plane or we get in the car, we get wherever our hold room is at the time, that's really our time to recharge our batteries. So it's kind of funny because I spend more time with him in a regular year, not in a COVID year, but in a regular year than either of us spend with our families and with most of our friends, right? Like we spend the most time in a year together. And the amount of times that we don't speak are the majority of the time because we're just like relaxing catching up with our families on our phones or you know i'm always reading a book if i can as is he and you know if we do talk it'd be like oh i i watched uh you know the mandalorian or you know i read a really good book he got me into stephen king so right now i'm trying to get through all the stephen king books and i'll tell him whichever one i just finished um but apart from that like we just don't talk all that much because that's your time to kind of, as much as you're always around people, that's our quiet time. That's our recovery time. Right. Is there like, um, 
because you know I had this conversation with Harold Harold uh, Fortin who uh, who was uh, you know he was working with uh, Premier Couillard and we were having this conversation when he was on the podcast and you know the, the 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 personality that everyone else sees on camera or reads in the paper or hears on the radio um oftentimes is different not in the sense that uh, Justin isn't authentic in the sense that that's the persona he is to so many other people but behind the scenes he's just a regular guy right i mean uh he's he's funny he he has good jokes or he's you know he's a family man or you know there's this whole other perspective that people don't get to see uh and you do uh or at least i thought you did but <laughs> i mean it seems from what you're saying that i mean everyone is kind of in their own bubble when they're not you know when when the lights and the cameras aren't on well, and one of the things is, as as he's a former teacher, he loves to do brain teasers or fun facts or math problems. And I'm never one of those suckers who looks him in the eye when he's like, hey, I have a math problem. I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. I'm going to pretend that I'm busy and I'm going to just watch out of the corner of my eye, whichever staffer falls down that trap <laughs> and their their lack of math knowledge is immediately made apparent. Right, right, right. Um... You, you touched upon this a little bit uh, because eventually, uh, like we said before, I mean, it's not like you have a stable nine to five job uh, that you can control certain elements of. I mean, it's politics. Uh, anything can happen uh, on a daily basis. Right. Um, and, you know, eventually there will come a time where you will no longer work for the prime minister. Have you thought about what that next step for you is? Because, you know, it's not it's not always obvious. Right. Being a photographer, especially being freelance. Um, and in addition to that, I mean, you have such enormous material over the last, whatever, 11, 12 years or whatever it will be by that time. Are you thinking of this, uh, of, the, of the next step or what to do with everything that you've done? I mean, I daydream more because I'm a realist and my father's situation terrifies me in terms of coming out this, the other end, being branded, you know, the Trudeau photographer that nobody ever wants to hire again. Uh, so, so that terrifies me. Um, but also I've been doing this, it's 10 years since that 2011 election. So I've been doing this story and this, this arc for, for 10 years, which is a hell of a long time when you come to think of it. And after this, you know, I hope to take a year off and just relax and do whatever I want. You know, kid will be in half day daycare, so I'll do half days with her um whatever that is is fine by me like I, I think this has been a really fun 10 years and it might go on for a couple more but after that I'm happy to walk away from photography and do it in my spare time and you know do special projects and but not necessarily live off of it right. and uh you know the government is a really big organization that would be fun to still be a part of and to help contribute maybe as a civil servant right 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 um how much has social media uh changed this profession because you know we mentioned um pete d'souza back in the 80s and 90s and any other you know photographer of this caliber that didn't have obviously these uh, these tools right i mean uh you're known throughout the entire world because you're justin trudeau's photographer number one but also because your content is really spectacular and the fact that you have these channels that allow you to promote this work i mean it must mean something 
So it's interesting because I, I often talk to my dad. My dad doesn't understand. He gets it now, but he doesn't understand that you can take a photo on your camera, put it on your phone, and within three minutes, it's going to be on Twitter and going viral or, or whatever happens to it happens to it. You know, back in the day, my dad used to hand out almost like, uh, like postcards. And it was like, fill out the date, fill out the event, fill out what you were wearing. Can you describe yourself, you know, redhead, bearded, 30s, this, that, and the other thing. And then he would find those photos and people would mail in those postcards and then he would have to send them the photos again. And then you would have every so often you'd have somebody who would lie, who, you know, would be a 65-year-old man, but would only pretend that he was 40 years old. And you're like, yeah, you're not fooling anybody, buddy. <laughs> um, you do not have a full head of hair, right? Like all, all of these things. Like, so to have social media now where it's almost immediate, the job has changed in a lot of ways where my father was, he did the documentary thing, but he also did what we call the grip and grins, right? So the posed photos with people, because back in the 80s, people didn't necessarily walk around with a camera. And, you know, yes, we like a professional photo, but as soon as, you know, we came in with Prime Minister Trudeau, nobody wanted my photos anymore because people wanted their selfies on their phone because it was a lot quicker, which was a blessing in a way because it allowed me to kind of step back from the scene and document things a lot differently. And it's much nicer, right? I mean, the, the, the style that you have that is much more candid uh, shots rather than portraits and staged. My personal, obviously, uh, 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 my, my, my personal, I mean, liking. Uh, yeah, of course, it's much better. I mean, can you imagine going through like 10 years of just Justin Trudeau posing with someone? No, 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 no. So, so it's nice that it, it gives me that freedom to kind of step back and go, go tell the story in a different way without needing to be two feet away just in case somebody needed a photo. Uh, the social media is a blessing in the sense that I get to share everything that I do or the large majority of what I do directly with people without having to go through different things. Uh, I'm lucky that my office, you know, I did a year in review for 2020 with COVID my office was totally cool with me just putting that out on my own without having a second set of eyes run on it. Obviously I had people check it and stuff. Um, but they, they do, they've come to a very comfortable spot where they trust me on this kind of thing. Now. It's uh, interesting that you mentioned that. I mean, how does it normally work? You're taking pictures and you can't choose what goes out. I mean, you just send it in and they take care of it. They, they take care of whatever they want for, you know, the Justin Trudeau and the liberal party and the prime minister platform. So all, all those different entities have people right. that pick out what they want. But at the end of the day, it's your picture. What yeah. if, what if they choose something that you wouldn't have selected or because of through your professional eyes, it's not right or something's off or, and you know, they obviously don't see it the right way because they're not photographers, right? They're communications or PR experts. I mean, has it ever happened that you send them your bunch of pictures and they just go with completely wrong option? So I, I will say yes, because, you know, as you, the photographer and the artist, you're always like, well, that's not my best photo. This is my best photo. But at the end of the day, they're also communication professionals and they used what they saw fit for their own entity. And that's why I like having social media is I'm able to show off my work in the way that I want. And I'm able to share 
you know, I'm able to show that behind the scenes feel for people without going through a different filter, right? Right. Right. How do the how do the how do the rights work uh, in in this industry? I mean, can anyone just take your pictures and publish them? Like the, your pictures that have appeared in uh, uh, in magazines or in newspapers or even sometimes on TV, do they go through you guys to get the rights to those pictures, or the minute that they're out, they're available for everyone? As soon as it's on social media, it's a whole different ball game, right? right. Um, but because I am working for the government of Canada, I see these photos as, you know, if you want to use them in your magazine or your textbook, like, yes, you are free to do so. Okay. I was almost sure that they, okay, let's call Adam Scotty. Can we use your picture, please? Well, it, they, they will give credit, which is always appreciated. Yeah. And uh, that's that's about it. I was convinced that there was a phone call. Hey, Mr. Scotty, uh, how's 50,000 sound, uh, you know, put on the cover of the- Yeah, no, 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 no. Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, Adam, what is a, you know, what is a, what is a normal day or maybe not now, I mean, because you know, we're not living under normal circumstances, but, you know, what's like a daily schedule in, in your life? So a regular, year? I would say a regular Ottawa day would be, if I choose to go to the gym before work, I'll be at the gym at seven o'clock in the morning, but I'll still be at work by eight, eight thirty. He rolls in around eight, eight thirty, depending. And then basically my day is his day, right? So all of the briefings, uh, any of the meetings, I just, I go from that to that, to that. And when he stops to have lunch for 30 minutes is when I stop to edit my morning photos. And you're always, I'm always looking for long meetings that are, you know, anything between 30 to 60 minutes, because that's enough time for me to sit down, catch up on the edits, caption the photos, send them out to different participants or different organizers, and then catch back up with him. Right. Right. And then that'll probably, you know, Ottawa days will end between six and 10 o'clock at night, depending on what's going on. Crazy. Yeah. Have, has there ever been a time where obviously not in Canada, but when you're, when you're somewhere out in the world and, you know, they, they just block you from any access or you always, there's never been an issue that you're, you're just in photographer. You're there. I mean, there's never been like a, some security guard, like, sir, stay back. Oh, oh, I've been, I've been carried out of places. I've been yelled at. Uh, once the PM even like grabbed onto my arm and said, no, no, he's with me. And then you see the, like the local security guards grab the PM, which is a very big no, no, you don't touch the leader of a foreign government. Um, so Access issues traveling abroad are a serious issue and yeah. take up the majority of my time, which you look forward to the travel because it's something different and something new, but then you kind of dread the whole access issue. So if I go to Paris, if I go to London, if I go to Washington and I, I work with my colleagues there, they have generally a similar approach that we do uh, in terms of the photographer has an all access pass. Um, so as long as I'm with my official counterpart, I'm okay. Um, and obviously there's some, some variances there, but as soon as it's a summit, as soon as it's a foreign nation that doesn't understand how the official photographer works, I am sitting in a waiting room for a couple hours, just twiddling my thumbs. That must suck. Yes. Yeah. And there's nothing to do about it. I mean, there's no way that anyone can intervene and say, look, this guy is attached to the PM. You get, you get creative. I, uh, I've taken like the interpreter's badge 
that, uh, you know, whoever's standing there checking badges doesn't care if you have a camera. They're just told that if somebody has an interpreter or a doctor's badge, they can go in. So then you get snuck in. Or if you see the American delegation going by, you can generally like swoop in behind them and pretend that you're talking to them. And then the Americans have a lot more clout. So they'll walk in with bigger groups and you'll just sneak in behind them. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a, there, there are a lot of tricks of the trade that you pick up as you go from summit to summit. And then whenever I see a different colleague of mine, we'll exchange notes as to how we got into different places. Yeah, you, you leave a trace here, yeah. guys. Here's yeah. how you go in. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's um, uh, actually wait before we get to the to the technical stuff because there's a probably a lot of geeks out there that want to know that. Um, what, what goes through your mind when you're planning your shots? Like, I understand in most cases you're you're obviously dealing with candid shots, like we said before, which is what seems to be the norm now. Um, you know, but with all the time that you spend in Parliament, uh, are, are you ever looking around different vantage points? Uh, like, how do you challenge yourself uh, to avoid the repetition that could be just very uh, common in, in your line of work? You're always, always looking around and you're always looking at, uh, let's say, competitors' photos. But like, I'm looking at the media photos of the day and getting ideas from them. And you're looking at photographers in France and London, and again, in Washington, I'm looking at what they're doing in their respective countries. And then, you know, that's a cool shot. How can I, you know, give a Canadian spin or maybe show it through our world uh, on the Hill. I come up with different little projects for myself or different little challenges. So back when center block was open before it shut down for innovations, I was, I, dedicated myself to this one staircase. It's the staircase that the prime minister walks down before he goes into QP. And I think I got about 40 or 50 different photos of him doing that exact action. And it just became a challenge, right? It's you're always trying to find something new, but then in that little project, it taught me a lot of different tricks or different things to look out for when I'm doing other stuff. Right. Okay. So right. no matter what little challenges you do on a daily basis, it's always transferable to different days. Um, what are uh, yeah, actually let's go to the let's go to the let's go to the equipment part, because I myself am curious uh, and then we'll get to the, to the, the other questions as well. Um, OK, let's talk about gear now. Uh, I, I and we, we we exchanged some messages on this because I, I noticed that recently you you switched from Canon to Sony. Um, so your gear right now that you're using. So so I, I did switch from Canon to Sony. Uh, the brilliant part of Sony that really sold me was their what people call the global shutter that. Uh, will not have as many rolling shutter issues when you're shooting in silent mode. So now that there's a lot of LED panel lighting in different places, uh, the way the rolling shutter works is you'll get these like black lines throughout an entire image, not just like half an image or whatever. It, it almost looks like prison bars going horizontally. Um, and, and that was a serious issue with the Canon equipment that I saw. And that I, I did use the EOS R for a little while. And it was a great body, but the ability to shoot silent is the next step. And that really was phenomenal as well as, and I know the R5 and Canon now has a tracking ability. The tracking diversity is still not as 
Sony's is. Because right now I can pick a point here. And then if that point starts moving, the camera will just track it. Mm -hmm. And I'm able to like put my little tracker on anything I want in the frame. And then I'm able to move around the subjects to be able to move around. And I know that it's always going to be calculating. Right. So the Sony stuff that I have is just your basic, your a nine twos, and then a 16 to 35, 24 to 70, 70 to 200. Well, what's phenomenal about them is you're shooting at 2.8 and they're always sharp where I found when I was shooting with the DSLRs, the 5D Mark IVs, you always, you know, you focus, you compose, focus, compose, focus, compose, and then you're lucky if it's in focus. Um, maybe that says more about me as just being a crappy photographer, but I found that to be an increasing issue, especially as, you know, lenses become soft, you know, you need to tune them up every so often, right? Right, right, right. Uh, go over the, the the lenses that you have again. So it's the 16 to 35, the 24 to 70, and uh, 70 to 200. They're all 2.8. Those are your standard. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to get some primes, um, yeah. but that's that's in the eventual roadmap. Right. But I guess with uh, with the work that you do, I mean, it, it's much better to, to to have that versatility to go from a wide angle to, you know, rather than having to say, oh, I'm too far or I'm too close. I got to change lens. I mean, I guess it's more of a practical thing, too. Well, especially, you know, now that we're in the office, I could do primes all day, every day, and that's totally yeah. fine. But when you're on the road and normally I shoot with three bodies. So right now I'm, I'm only shooting with two bodies, but when we're on the road, you have no idea what's waiting around the corner from you. Right. Yeah. So you need to always be ready to react. And it's not as if I'm never going to ask the PM to do something again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like that's, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Can you Walk go back by. to that kid and high five him again? I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, obviously, nothing is staged i mean are you at that point after all these years where justin kind of knows where you are and he kind of helps you out in your job or it's like just do whatever and i'll do my job kind of thing it's like, it's very much do whatever and i'll do my job right um but with all the years i've come to know him and know what he looks for and we almost anticipate each other in a way, right? Like he's not necessarily looking out for me, but he knows that I'm he's probably over there because this is probably going to happen, right? Right, 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 uh, right. But it, it is, it's always funny because there will be moments he's like, well, yeah, Scotty wasn't even there to do this. And I was like, actually, here's the photo. I, I, I got it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's always a nice little feather in my cap. Um, what about image processing? How does, uh, what do you, what do you use? Uh, I'm very basic because the pace of this job is such that I'm not going to sit down and figure out a new workflow. So back when I started, it was Lightroom and it has stayed Adobe Lightroom. Uh, my colleague uses Photo Mechanic to do essentially a similar thing and then he pops it into Lightroom. Um, I just, I find when I'm on the go, what I'm doing is whenever there's five or 10 minutes of nothing happening um, and I can look away, I edit on my camera. So I, I flag the photos that I want to keep. Uh, I delete the ones I want to delete. And then, you know, instead of sitting down at your computer with 3,000 photos, you sit down with 1,000 photos. And then from the 1,000 photos, you go down to 250 photos that you caption and edit. And then those are the ones that you pump out. Right. What are the rules in photojournalism? Are you allowed to do any, like, hardcore editing, kind of retouching, or it's basically... Um, 
you know, cropping and just, you know, it's uh, basic, basic cropping, some exposure and some color balance that that is the extent of what I do to my stuff. Uh, some people will play with different levels a little bit more, but I think as soon as you start playing with the file more, you're kind of taking yourself further and further away from the reality that you captured. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so, 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 so the process you put your picture in when you bring it into Lightroom, what's the standard things that you look at? So I, I have a basic, uh, like the workflow kind of thing. Yeah. I have a basic de development standard that gets applied to every photo. These are like the top things that I always do no matter what. So there's a little bit of sharpening. There's a little bit of noise reduction. There's a little bit of contrast, uh, because I shoot raw, it's telling Lightroom what raw processor to use um, and then or what raw version to use and then I have my metadata that is automatically applied just the basic stuff right like copyright info and how to find me if you need to look it up in the info and then from there I'll always edit the photos first flag the ones that I want to actually keep edit them and then go back and caption all of them with who's in them what's going on and what the event is right 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 Fantastic. Uh, we have a couple pictures. Let's let's just go over the pictures, and it's fun. We're gonna talk a little bit the story behind them and uh, why you chose that uh, that particular uh, picture. So this is this is one of the first photos that I would have done on the uh, 2011 campaign back in early April of that year. Uh, it, to me it's more just a snapshot of when I joined the team, like that's, that's how young the kids were. And to me is more mind boggling, right? Like, yes, we as adults do change and you can see differences in, in the prime minister over the years, but like, it's way more apparent now, Zav, who is a teenager and almost as tall as me, uh, it's quite jarring emotionally for, I think anybody involved. Yeah, I think I think the kids are the best indicator of time because I mean you, you you don't see it too much on yourself, right? Um, I remember seeing he had he had Ella uh, when when we when he started. Obviously, when we started working together, uh, Zav was a newborn. Yeah, it was. Uh, he didn't even have the other one. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, it's crazy because I, I I look at the pictures now and I mean I I see his kids pretty much through your pictures. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, geez, man, what the hell? Yeah, yeah you just yeah. feel older and older every time. Yeah, yeah. So this this is back on the same campaign, election day. Uh, he is going around to the different polling stations just to thank all the elections Canada workers, and. Uh, what I loved is he was very adamant. It is his riding. He knows the streets. He knows the back lanes. He knows the shortcuts. He's the one who's going to be driving. And uh, obviously, as a, as a good Montrealer, he loves his driving. He loves parallel parking. He's quite proud of his skills. Um, but it, it's, it's a unique thing where, you know, a couple of years later, he was no longer driving himself when he was leader because he always had phone calls and briefing notes to go over. And obviously, as prime minister, he does not drive himself either, right? So this is kind of one of those old snapshots of a time past. Yeah, look, I know how to drive. Yeah. What does that feel like? Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I hadn't even noticed. I saw him. I'm like, when you saw him in the picture, I'm like, is he doing his door-to-door -door from a car? Like, why is he walking? <laughs> that, that, that was my first reflex. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and you know, this was in our our campaign office at the time that was under construction because basically for campaign offices you find a short-term rental that they don't really care if you you muck it up any at all. So it was under construction for the most of it. There were there was plywood exposed everywhere, massive empty basement with just tables set up for volunteers. Uh, and you know, it's him doing his call sheets. It's calling and identifying voter IDs. But how much has campaign changed? Obviously, it's changed quite a bit from the from the minute that you're a leader of a party and you have to take care of, you know, the campaign at a national level versus back in 2010, where you're just focusing on your writing. It's it's wild. Um, I I obviously I, I miss the local campaign as much as the the national campaign is a lot of fun and very different. Um, you know, I, I miss being in the riding and I, I lived in the riding for a year or two. Uh, I obviously spent a lot of time there and I know he misses it as well. Right. Cause it's, it's all, all your old friends. Right. 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 It, it's, it's a, it's a completely different reality, right? It's like a yeah. whole other world where you're, you're focusing on whatever a five kilometer radius yeah. <laughs> five kilometer yeah. square versus from one, from one ocean to the other. Yeah. You know? So, so this is after he, he became leader. Um, this, I think, would have been 2014, in like December of 2014. And he released an autobiography. And, you know, at first I was getting all the interactions. Every, every, every person that would show up and get a book signed would also get a photo and we would send them the photo. But then at a certain point, I stepped away and I said, okay, what if, what if our plan really works and he does get elected the, to be the next prime minister? This is kind of weird that, you know, in December of 2014, he is at a Costco with people walking by with their carts. There's this skeptical lady on the left-hand side who goes, I don't really know if I want to buy this book or not. He's <laughs> sitting in the middle there. And a year later, we would be, you know, on our first international trip and our second international trip around the world. Uh, it's just time is crazy and politics is crazy. And I, I just love the basic humanity of this. Exactly. The, the fact, like, see, the, just the shelves and all the rows and the aisles. There, and it's like, what are you doing in a Costco, buddy? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's still amazing, though, that he's like, okay, let's just do Costco uh, for today. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where was this? Was this in Montreal? Uh, yeah, I think it was Laval. Okay. <laughs> it's hilarious. So uh, when Harper called the election in August of 2015, it was going to be one of the longest campaigns in Canadian history. Right. up to 72 days or whatever it was. And, you know, the federal parties had all been planning on the typical 30-some-day campaign, 40-some-day campaign, not an entire month extra. And with that, you had to have some some creative processes in terms of you're not going to get your campaign plane right away. You're not going to get your campaign bus right away. Um, so we had a, a fairly strong feeling that the election was being called that day. And here we are flying out to Vancouver because we were going to start it in Vancouver. And as much as we had a hunch that the election was going to be called, we, we didn't fully know, like nothing is guaranteed in this life. Right. Right. And uh, the pilots actually got a news telegram in the cockpit saying 
the election has been called. So this is the, the chief purser on the flight letting Justin Trudeau know that, yep, you are officially in campaign mode as soon as you hit that ground in Vancouver and it's go, go, go. That's incredible because I'm assuming that <clears throat> nobody, you know, I mean, phones are off. Yep. You, there's no means of communicating. So they had to go through the pilot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And I think we continued flying commercial for the next like three or four weeks. No way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was it this campaign or the last one that you had <clears throat> that you had issues with the plane? Uh, no, that was this this past one in 2019. What, what were the problems exactly? Oh, so many problems. Um, like... Actually, it was the bus. It was it was the buses that had more problems, but it was the plane. Um, and I, I think it was actually in BC. One of the buses that picked up the journalists drove under the wing, and they thought they had more clearance than they did, and it just scraped the underside of the wing. And that obviously has a lot of structural repercussions that either the airline and the the plane company want to deal with. So that had to get inspected. And we only ended up getting the main liberal branded campaign plane for the last half of the campaign. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a nightmare for any of the staff who had to work oh, yeah. on it and figure out. Yeah, yeah the logistics yeah. and just getting everything in, 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 in place. Yeah. Uh, these are these are the types of pictures that I love because and you do this a lot, right? Like you, you go wide angle and it's like here you find them. <laughs> yeah, you find them. You'll you'll figure it out. You'll you'll figure out where everybody's looking, and generally that helps. Yeah. Um, I don't find this photo particularly stellar. I I love the story behind it in the sense of this is our last day of campaigning before we fly home to uh, Montreal and and do election day in montreal but we had a couple of rallies back to back and I, I don't remember the order but it was you know edmonton calgary vancouver after vancouver you wait two or three hours and you fly back to montreal so it was going to be a really rough day and this is one of those rallies it's either in calgary or edmonton and it's something ridiculous like three to five thousand people um in and outside of this hall so there were so many people in this hall and crowding in through the doors that my camera started fogging up. And that's, that's what you see the lens flare is that's actually just fog. Mm -hmm. And I'd have to wipe my camera lens to then take a photo, wipe my camera lens, take a photo. And to me, that was just absolutely bananas. I'd never seen anything like it. And I probably never will again. Wow. This, uh, this was last election? No, 2015. Oh, 15. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there was a there was a story I think last election where um, there was a there were security concerns, mm. and they didn't, they didn't want to they didn't want to bring him out because uh, whatever uh, threat uh, you know you, you guys were uh, yeah. were were dealing with. What was that like? Uh, I mean, it's it's stressful. Like you you don't want anybody to get hurt you don't want your you don't want your buddy to get hurt like and you know thankfully we work with some very professional members of the police either at the uh, RCMP level or at the Toronto city level and uh, thankfully nothing happened it's just one of those unfortunate situations that you also feel for the people in the room who are getting even less information and you know yeah you don't want to alarm anyone either. you don't want to alarm anybody well What's happening over here? This is 
talk about restricted access in China, it was a whole misunderstanding as to how I work. Um, you know, depending on what country you go to, they might have 15 or 20 official photographers, right? And they'll have a different person standing around every corner and their main job is to get that photo right there and that's it. So uh, they always have a hard time understanding that I am just one human being and need to run around to all of these places and hopefully keep up as, as much as that might not look the part to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, in, in one of the situations I had to go preposition to await for the prime minister's arrival. And this is the honor guard that received the prime minister in Beijing. And I just, I love how precise they all are because they, they're all the same height as they change the, the boot heel. And so everybody is aligned perfectly on height. And then they go through with this string across the way and make sure that, you know, the belt buckles, the bayonets, the brims of the hat, all of those are aligned too. And it's just surreal to watch because we do not go through this process. And it is something that this troop did three and five times before the principal showed up. Wow. Yeah. So they went over this three, four times, make sure that no one, no one has moved. Yeah. And then they would break up and then march in and break up and march in and do it over and over again. Until they get it. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> That's crazy. I love this next one. So, yeah, the, I mean, this is, uh, I, I love showing people my world without necessarily showing the principles in them. So, like, you recognize Barack Obama's silhouette, and that's that's all you need to know about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is on one of the visits, and the PM is showing him the different views outside the office. Um, Obama, of course, is one of the more popular presidents to be photographed. He's very photogenic, um, so it's always interesting having him around because it's it's an interesting presence. Mm-hmm. You've you've worked a lot with silhouettes. I mean, is that something that you're still doing, or was it like one of those projects that you're like, ah, for the next three months, I'll just be shooting silhouettes? I, I think it's something I always try to keep an eye out for, and then every so often I'll fall out of the habit, and then you know, fall back into it again. Right. Um, again, it just goes back to having different tools in your in your tool chest to approach different situations on a varied basis. Right. This this next one you're gonna to have to explain to me. <laughs> oh, um, see, at first, at first, when I'm looking at this picture, I'm like, is this a mistake? Um, was he taking a a practice shot somewhere? He was just, you know, getting his lighting in place. And then I'm like, wait a minute, wait, there he is. So uh, we don't we don't get out much. So for for as much as we travel. Uh, I recognize hotel rooms and hotel convention centers more than I do an actual city or restaurants or anything else. Right. Uh, and and one way for us to get out is to actually go for a run. And I'm a runner naturally, like that is my my thing to do. So the PM less so, but has become more of a runner in the recent years. And I quickly thought that this was a unique way to show how we explore a city or how we travel. And again, it is not a hotel convention center. So I'll generally run with a body and either a small prime lens on it or like the 16 to 35, because it is always always smaller. 
and I'll run ahead of him. And if I see an interesting photo that kind of shows where we are, I'll just put him dead center because it's the easiest thing you can do when you're out of breath and, you know, trying to sprint ahead every time. And this just so happened to be a prom class out for photos in Vancouver that we ran past. And uh, I, I just, I love people who go, this is a staged photo and da 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 da. I can always show you my Strava run times. Um, I can show you how out of breath I am at the end of it. And I, I find it fun because it is more of a sprint session for me. You stop, take a couple photos, sprint ahead. Uh, it makes you see things a little differently because you are not just running, you're also trying to find a photo as you're out of breath and dying. <laughs> Did any of these kids recognize who it was? Uh, eventually, so he ran past because he thought it was funny. And then the kids who were clueless as to what happened, because behind him are going to be like two or three RCMP okay. officers on, on bicycles, right? So he did run back and took a big group selfie with them before he continued on his run. <laughs> That's so funny. So I think was this was Argentina in 2018, yeah. Um the PM is, you know, you always look for ways to capture people's personalities and uh, he always helps out. So if he sees something amiss that needs to be fixed in a room, he will get up and, and do it himself or help other people do it, right? So this is just one of those situations that I love. What was um, the problem with the table? I was not centered or they were going to get rid of it and then just put the two chairs next to each other. Um, like I, I lose track of those, but uh, I just, I love the authenticity of it. How bad do the people feel that are organizing this event where they're seeing a foreign leader kind of take out his jacket? He's like, okay, let's just rearrange the table here. So, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if that guy works with you or if he works for... So Adam, Adam is in the photo. He's, he was one of our advanced staffers at the time. And they are so used to it that, you know, it's one of those things that if it doesn't happen, you're kind of like... Did I, did I actually do it properly or um, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm waiting for you to fix something. Uh, <laughs> and, it, you know, it just goes to show you that you, you can have fun when you do these jobs, no matter who you are and what level you're at. Well, I think you have to. I mean, or yeah. else it, it gets boring really quickly. Yeah. Uh. This is uh, from the G7 in 2019 in France. Um, you talk about like you have restricted access at some of these summits with with big delegations and you know big security concerns so i always try to show something a little differently i'll, I'll do different projects while i'm there uh there was one summit where i just did photos of hallways and you know what the different hallways looked like um but this one i i just decided to to do the cropped faces and you're you're drawn more either to their haircuts or their eyes and uh, people seem to really enjoy this just because it was a different take. You know, when when you have 30 or 40 media rush into a room and they're all going to get the wide shot of the handshake and this and that, you're always looking to set yourself apart. And I think I did it for this one project that day. Yeah, I agree. This is pretty cool. I think this was when they were uh, when he was uh, announcing the the nomination for the the ministerial post. Yeah, so you know he he's saying, "Dear Marco Mendicino, I would like you to be the minister of of whatever." And these are people's candid uh, candid reactions to that. Um, what's fun is I'm able to 
share notes with my father as to, you know, what were you allowed to do back in your time? And what, what am I allowed to do? What's the difference? And uh, what's the difference in relationship with the office or the people and this and that? And I don't think he ever did one of these meetings. And after 2015, I, I it was just standard that I was there no matter what. And the and the people who would become ministers really appreciated these photos at the end of the day. Yeah. And uh, this I just thought was a cool instead of sharing. It's not about him. This is purely about the reactions, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love these candid shots that you take of him and Sophie. Um, they kind of just seem oblivious to the fact that there's someone around that could be documenting. And, uh, you know, they they don't they don't care about me. I'm I'm you know part of the friend group. I'm part of the family, whatever you want to call it. Like they just know that I'm a safe person to have around, and will just do my thing. And uh, I I try not to. One of the pieces of advice I got from somebody early on was just like always be two feet ahead of them. And, you know, in a situation like this, he is so rarely alone and he knows that people are around him and behind him. Like, you don't need to see me walking two feet in front of you the entire time that you exist around one another. Right. So it's nice to give him the space and you get these these more quiet moments. Right. You know, Sophie takes off her shoes after the PM and Sophie went to Rio Hall to to call the election essentially right to to speak to the gg before the writs were being drawn it just seems that you know what i love about this is that it, it would otherwise be such a stressful moment you just called an election like from the minute that you're that that action is done it seems as though it's like okay boom go 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 we're in election now and it's like the complete opposite as if they're just you know uh, it's done. Let's go home and chill now. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, it's 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 game time. But you you still have your you still have your moments, right? Yeah. See, these are the kind of shots that we're referring to before, where it's like, look through a couple people's armpits and you'll find Justin, right? It's like, <laughs> let, let, let me just frame him through these guys' arms over here. Well, and like, just just to be able to move around in these crowds, right? Like you're talking about a couple hundred, a couple thousand people. And everybody has a camera phone or a camera in their hand and they don't want to move for you. So I call, or we call these like a Hail Mary where you kind of put up your camera and you have a general idea of what you're going to get. Yeah. Um, but you kind of just pray for the, that it turns out or that it's in focus. And and this one so happened that it turned out and, you know, the guy has a great expression on the foreground. You have all the hands and the cell phones up in the air um, just to make, make you feel the craziness that I felt when I was there. Right. And this is pretty much everywhere he goes, right? I mean, it's not... Especially uh, it, during a campaign, for sure. Yeah, it's just, uh, uh, it's craziness. I, yeah. I can I can speak for myself having witnessed it. Uh, look at this one. It's like, you're not going anywhere. Yeah, so, you know, I, uh, compared to the previous photos, sometimes I, I just say, screw it, I'm not going to go into the crowd. And... Uh, there's no no sense, nothing to be gained from doing it. So then you'll just, you'll stand on a good vantage point. And then it's great to see things differently, right? Like, I think that is a really cool shot just to see everybody try to reach out and be a part of it. Right, right, right.
this is just like you, you you can you can just draw a line down the middle and it's like two completely different settings over here well and, and you were asking about the uh the security scare on the campaign this was that night right <laughs> yeah, okay. so kids as much as we were concerned we we were concerned about what was happening or what you know what was being reported but at the end of the day the kids also ground you right and they're they're not a part of that and they were safe and sound so the kids were just being kids and uh it's a great humanizing moment it's so so the the uh the the threat was already active there or i i think so i i can't remember mm -hmm. um but ultimately the kids did not end up taking part of that event right just out of an abundance yeah. of caution right right of course was it true that he wore a, a bulletproof vest under his uh, suit? Yeah, yeah. The media has photos of all that stuff. My God. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's unfortunate. Of course. This I wanted to ask you because, and I know how you are. I've seen you work over the years, and obviously you have a very original way of uh, exposing him in your pictures. I mean, you're indoors. Like, what's the thought process? Were you going to end up in this place and you just went in there beforehand? Or were you just randomly outside? You're like, hmm, that looks like an interesting place. Let me see if I can go through there and grab him through the window. Yeah, so if, if I see people in the windows, you're always trying, because it's always an interesting photo from either side of it. Um, just with the glare on and the reflection on the window from the outside, sometimes it really doesn't work. Right. Uh, so one way around that is to, if you can pop in somewhere, is to shoot from the inside looking out. And I, I got a couple, there, there's a series from Amherst, and I, I always love it because it's, it's another way to show you the excitement, right? It's not just in those big crowds with a couple hundred people. It's right. he's walking by a donut shop and people go to the window to look out. Okay, that's a donut shop. I thought it was I, like I think a it's a right? it's a coffee shop of some sort. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. So you just okay. So yeah, in that case, yeah, it's easier to just walk in. I thought I, I honestly thought it was like a senior's residence. I'm like, wait, the guy just walked in. <laughs> I need your access, uh, the window access, no, please. No. Some and you know sometimes people are like, yeah, come on in. Like this is ridiculous. Take photos. And other people would be like, I don't want you here. It's like okay, I'll, I'll just keep on going. Yeah, you'll always get those. This one I love, man. The 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 zoom pen. Yeah, that was that was something that I, you know, this was one of our last rallies of the 2019 campaign, and you know, your four photographers standing on the same vantage point, and you're trying to do something different than your colleagues next to you. Right. Uh, so this is just a concept that I had in the back pocket that I wanted to try eventually, and it it seemed to work out really really well. Yeah, that's nice. Does he still do this? Did he do this after last campaign? Yeah, so uh, this started uh, in 2015. Uh, you know, he, in the evening, the night before, he is declared to be the next prime minister. We went to bed at God knows what time, two, three, four o'clock in the morning after I was done editing. And then at 6, 6.30, we were back on the bus to go to, this is Jerry Metro, I think. Uh -huh. um, and we thanked his constituents, right? Because at the end of the day, he is an MP first. Uh -huh. And we did it again in 2019. So you're a little worse for wear. It's a little rough in the morning just because you're exhausted from, from the campaign trail in general. 
and uh, he still does this. And it, it, it's a great moment. You know, it's a completely impromptu thing. So there is security around, but they're able to give him a little wide berth. And uh, it's just a, a very natural, candid moment. Are there any reactions that you uh, that weren't so happy? There, there are, but normally, uh, you know, if, if somebody doesn't like him, they'll just shout something as they're walking past, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, that's the nature of politics, and you get that on either side. No choice. What's happening over here, man? This is, uh, she was our head speechwriter at the time, at the, at the start of the pandemic. And I think this is the first, first few days of the PM being in lockdown. So the PM, you know, Sophie was, she tested positive for COVID-19. And he and the family go into lockdown at the house as they're quarantining. Um, and then we as staff are just trying to figure out, okay, so the prime minister of the country is in lockdown at the house and, you know, different COVID things are locking down in the province and this and that, what are we going to do? And uh, this is our speechwriter settling in for the long haul. She has all the essentials that she needs, her, uh, her lemon water, her smoothie, her hot sauce and her salt. She's ready for anything. <laughs> That's just funny. Yeah, it's it's the stories on the sidelines that also paint a picture of the time in office, right? Because people don't realize that you know there there are real people behind yes. the scenes, right? Yeah. This one I love. It's like a little puzzle. Yeah, it's it's a little it's a little storyboard puzzle, and uh, again, you know, um, especially with the press conferences that everybody has seen outside of his house. Um, this is a press conference on the Hill, but they don't change from day to day, right? And when you're doing them four or five days a week for months on end, uh, yes, there are little details, but sometimes it's more fun to, to draw them all up together, right? So you have everybody walking in, you have the half face photos with the different uh, COVID alert app signs, you have their shoes, and then you have them walking in. Right, like it's it's its own little cartoon. Yeah, no, it's 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 fun, but see, these are these are the good things that you do because it shows that you're always looking for new ways, not only to bring people a, a new look to the to what a a photographer does, but also for you. I mean, you want to make it fun, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't you don't get bored of just the same uh, style of pictures all the time. I think I've seen this kind of picture, like, I don't know how many times where he just ties people's shoes. <laughs> What's wrong with the people around? Them, <laughs> Generally, you are too sleep deprived on an international trip to really care. Like you just, whatever's on your bed that night and you put it on, you go. Um, Patrick's shoe came undone and we, uh, we do love to tease Patrick because he's a wonderful human being and uh, quite funny. So this is just an outtake of like, oh, dear Patrick, you need more help. <laughs> and uh, the PM got down to tie his shoe. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. So th this is this is a, again another example of uh, different ways to to shoot repetitive events. Uh, we were in Ethiopia and we had something like fifteen or twenty bilateral back to back meetings with different heads of state and heads of government. And you know, once I get the main shot of the two leaders speaking you then try to find something different, right? So uh, people are like, you're always shooting the same thing. Doesn't it get boring? It's like, well, it only gets as boring as you let it be. And 
you know, it's again, another fun challenge of this is the entire, entire day summed up in creative ways of shooting them. Of course. This one kind of became viral. I remember when it, when it first came out. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like the main subject isn't even Justin Judo. It's that guy thinking he won the lottery. <laughs> so this is a citizenship ceremony in Amherst, Nova Scotia. And, uh, you know, it, it's obviously an exciting day. They're, they're being sworn in and becoming Canadian. And uh, they, they think that is special enough. But then unannounced, the prime minister walks in and is there to greet them and congratulate them on becoming Canadian. So right. I, I love the, the reaction. And it's not just the guy. Like, there, there are a number of faces throughout the audience that are just losing it. And... Well, uh, I mean, you gotta, you got you gotta put yourself in in their shoes as well. They're like, okay, this is my citizenship ceremony, and the person uh, at the head of this country just randomly walks yeah. in, congratulates me. I mean, it's something that they're gonna be remembering for the rest of their life. Oh, for right? sure, for sure. So this is um, March 11th, just before the PM would have gone into lockdown, and uh, you know, it's the COVID year that was 2020 in terms of my job. It's it's fascinating to see the progression of how we responded to COVID-19, right? So this is March 11th of last year, no distancing, no masks. Right. Right? It's just surreal. And these are the top people charged with the reaction, but it was, you know, the understanding at the time was this. And then, you know, we still feel it sometimes now that the understanding changes every couple of months or every couple of weeks. Yeah. No, it, it's crazy to see the, the, the transition, right, from yeah. where we were and how careful everyone is now. Yeah. All right, last shot. You kept the, the, you kept the best one for the end because this is really technically challenging uh, to do. And for the people watching, I mean, this isn't several shots put together in Photoshop. This is one shot taken. No, it, it, is, it is multiple shots. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah, I thought yeah. you open shutter kind of no, uh, um the reason why you can't do the open shutter is because then he would be transparent yeah in different in different sections uh so what i did is i i stood as still as i could and i just continued taking shots while rearranging my focus so he would be in focus as he moved around this one space okay. and then you you layer it in photoshop um See yeah, because I was wondering because normally when you do the, the the open shutter, I mean, you see kind of the you you can you can kind of see through, right? Yeah, it's a ghost image almost. Uh, yeah, and when I saw him uh, on the right, where you kind of see through his legs, I'm like, okay, this is what it is. It's a, it's an open shutter, yeah. but I'm like, how the hell do you do that? I mean, there's light. Uh, there's so much light in there. I mean, must have found a way to kind of darken, like well, with an ND filter, or but but again, I mean, it, it's very challenging to do this shot and to get it so. Uh, spot on, right? Where you don't yeah. see so much ghosting happening. So I I relied on Photoshop. It's not something that I I I had to teach myself. I had to look this up on YouTube to figure out how to do it because I I my understanding of Photoshop is so minimal um, because we don't edit our images, right? We do our color correction, our contrasts, and exposure, and that's about it. Um, but this was just a, a different way to. I could have put, you know, the six or seven photos together of him just marching back and forth and made it a big tile but i thought this was a lot more powerful in terms of an image just because it, oh. it does show the movement yeah uh 
Dude, fantastic. You know, and, I, and I've kept you on for a long time. I've been wanting to, to have you on for so long. Um, just before we go, is there any moment, like, for you throughout this whole journey, what is, or some, or if not one, uh, of the more memorable moments for you? Something that, that you're going to be like, wow, I can't believe I, I kind of lived through, like, this specific time, moment, you know, or moments. I, you know, I like the campaigns are fun and, and interesting because of the the speed at which you travel across the country and see and meet so many people. Um, I always love going going north. We went inside the polar circle to Inuvik once. You know, anytime we go to Iqaluit is always special. Uh, learning about all these places that a lot of Canadians don't generally go to. And if ever you wanted to go north, I would highly suggest that you go north, no matter what time of year it is. Um, there's interesting things to do and learn about and people to meet. Um, but also I, I look back on, you know, trips to the White House and I can't really believe that I was inside the Oval Office or, you know, trips to the Elysee in Paris and the highlights for me are always going to be meeting the colleagues and meeting the people behind the scenes. Right. It's uh, the leaders are, you know, yeah, that's Barack Obama and that's, you know, cool. Nice to meet you. Um, but it's nice to, to hear about the stories of how other people do the jobs and live the similar lives that we do. Right. What's uh, what's one or maybe more moments that you don't even want to think about anymore. Oh, I I've obviously forgotten about all the photos that I've screwed up and I've missed. <laughs> um, those, those always burn in your memory for a good week or two and you try to just, just move on and, you know, next day will be better and you, you hopefully won't make that same mistake again. What about on a political level, like something that happened that you're like, Oh God, I wish I never have to relive this again. Honestly, I couldn't tell you what I had for breakfast yesterday. Like my, my memory is so gone right now in terms of like a goldfish. Uh, I, I don't know, like. It only happens when I'm going through photos and I'm like, oh, right, we, that happened. Right. Um, so in terms of bad events, good events, it's, it's honestly tough just to come up with it. Right. Dude, I want to thank you so much. Um, I don't know when we're going to see each other again. I hope it's going to be soon. Yes. Uh, but whenever that time is, hopefully I'll be able to come and hug you. There are going to be a lot of hugs in the next year, I think, once the vaccine yeah. is rolled out. Even sure. people who aren't huggers would just be like, bring it in. Yeah, exactly. Dude, thank you so much. Um, take care of yourself. Stay safe. Uh, I hope to see you soon, buddy. Best of the family. Take care. I appreciate it. Take care, buddy.